Welcome to the Dream Home Movement. This is your weekly dose of Dream Home Inspiration, bringing you clever hacks and tips from the very best local experts with your hosts, Tara and Joe. Hey, hey, welcome to the Dream Home Movement. I'm Joe Violetta and you are listening to, as I just said, the Dream Home Movement. Why am I sounding a little bit awkward? Probably because I'm sitting in the studio all by myself tonight. So usually I would be joined by my fabulous co-host Tara Vanderlite, but she is out tonight doing very important real estate business. So I'm running the show on my own, but I do have a very special guest coming in, Carl Violetta from Violetta Finance, my aka my husband. And we are going to chat tonight about the biggest mistakes he sees people make when they apply for home loans. So very interesting topic, very relevant because if you want to buy your dream home, unless, you, unless you've unless you got Kerry Packer style cash, you're probably going to need to apply for some finance. So knowing what the not to do's are so you can avoid them is absolutely crucial. I'm good, thanks, Joe. How are you? Good. Long time no see. Yeah, it has been a while. Um, a whole what? One hour? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for coming in tonight. Well, it's not just Carl and I in the studio. It's Carl and I in a fly that we can't get out of here, which is super annoying. But that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. We are here to talk about the biggest mistakes that people make when they apply for a home loan. So, Carl, you would see here a lot of these. <laughs> I've come across a few over my time. Just, just yeah, a little bit. Look, my, my biggest one would be um, if a lot of people are looking to buy a property and sometimes the way that you buy these properties through an auction, mm-hmm. you want to have a pre-approval. Uh, in place before you buy that property. So it's very dangerous to buy a property at an auction. Okay, uh, without, pr- without, w- without any preparation for yep. finance, yeah. So you want to have a pre-approval before you do that. So how long before you go to bid at auction should you start preparing your finance? Uh, what, what's the min- sort of... Min- minimum two weeks. Okay. Preferably three. Okay, all yeah. right, so... Before you go to auction, you need to get your finance sorted and you really want to be looking at about three weeks, like yeah, ideally. And the reason why I'm saying three weeks is that if you're really sure that's the property and you're really going to give it your best shot at the auction, yeah. uh, what I would do in that instance is I would actually try and organize a formal approval. So the banks had a chance to value the home and so I can report to the client that the bank has valued the home and the bank thinks it's worth this much. So then the client can bid with confidence. Absolutely, yeah. Even a conditional approval, you know, Mm -hmm. if we can't get the formal stage, conditional approval is perfectly fine and and conditional approval is another word for a pre-approval. Okay. It's better than nothing. Yes. Um, You know, at least the bank has uh, has has had a chance to see the amount that you're looking to borrow and we can give an estimate on that property um, that they're looking to purchase. And and that's so normal, you know, um, for many people to buy properties with a pre-approval in place at an auction. What is the consequences of buying a property, bidding, being the successful bidder at an auction 
when you don't have any finance organised, what what can well? The, I mean, you when you buy a property at an auction, um, when you're the winning bidder, um, you are buying the property unconditionally. It's not subject to finance. Okay. So, um, you know, potentially, you a, a, a person that's bought that property at the auction is potentially liable. Is my understanding of um, of how that type of contract work you know and because you're signing a contract and you're paying a deposit you know if you're paying the the deposit on that day chances are that if you can't go through with finance you may lose that deposit okay so you put yourself in a really hairy situation Uh, absolutely and then you know if we're talking properties that are over a million dollars 10% 10% of that is, you know, over $100,000. It's a lot of money. It is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So number one, don't bid at auction without your finance audit. Yeah. All right. What What's another mistake? A lot of people sometimes don't know what's in their credit file. Okay. And so let's say, you know, a customer was in their 20s and um, they might have had a personal loan and uh, they might have been defaulted on that personal loan and they have never really properly dealt with it. Uh, sometimes the default may have fallen off from the credit file. It usually does. But if it hasn't and you're not aware that it hasn't and you've gone t- for finance and that has popped up, um, chances are you're going to get declined. Right. So, you know, you you got to know your history um, on your credit file. Even at, uh, as much as like a, a utility bill that is over $1,000, um, if that's popped up as a decline or it's a default, it's unpaid or it's a default that's paid. Um, and, you know, because the assessors at the banks will always do a credit check on every individual applying for finance and that's part of their due diligence when they're making an assessment on the home loan and uh, they want to make sure that you're you know you're a good character so that they can lend you money and if something like that pops up then it gives them doubt you know and they'll ask more questions around it usually we can mitigate like we can work around it okay um depending the size of the debt uh however if the debt is you know, substantial, um, we may not be able to mitigate around that. You know, an example of that would be if it was a personal loan for $5,000, the default's been issued five years ago, but it's still as default as unpaid. You, If you've got some free cash, you could deal with that there and then and have that removed. And that could take three to four weeks, you know, so you can mitigate around that. But if, if it's a lot more than that, then you're going to have to get a decline and address that default. And then once the default's been addressed, then come back and um, try again. Okay. So mistake number two, not knowing what's in your credit file. How can people find out what's in their credit file? Yeah, they can go to um, Equifax Vader Report. And then they can enter their details. I think there's one free report, which is complimentary. It takes about 10 working days to for the report to be uh, emailed to the customer. The, there is a paid version through the same company. It's about $15 to $20. You get the report instantly. Okay. And then you, you'll see what's in your credit file. 
Okay. Well, we will pop some links to those on yeah. our Facebook page, on Good the idea. Dream Home Movement Facebook page. And if you're listening to the podcast version of the show, so we broadcast live on Thursday nights on 98.7 RPPFM and then we put the replays out as podcasts, then those links will be in the show notes. Take a quick break for a message from the Dream Home Movement podcast sponsor, Violetta Finance. Now, if that name sounds familiar, that is because that is my business that I own with my husband, Carl. Carl is an award-winning mortgage broker. He can help you organize your home loan, your property investment loan, commercial finance as well. He, he can even help you get a great deal on your car loan or asset finance. He'll research the options for you. He'll find you the best deal. He'll help you structure your loan correctly. And he will look after all of that boring, tedious paperwork for you. So if you are ready to renovate your home and you need finance or you're ready to make your next property purchase, Carl is the person to contact. Just Google Violeta Finance, V-I-O-L-E-T-A Finance to find our website. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook or you know what, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to give you Carl's phone number, 0424 All right, that's it. Back to the show. mistakes are there that we need to avoid? Not all banks um, low interest that offer low interest rates are going to be applicable to all customers. Okay. Yeah. Because a lot of people, they'll see ads for a low in, uh, home loan with a low interest rate and they'll be like, I want that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a bank might be offering like, you know, uh, as an example, uh, 3.5 five percent yeah that which sounds is nice yeah which is yeah. very very nice but you know there might be a little asterisk in little fine print saying oh we only accept um loan to value ratio of 80 percent the there's no it's not a construction loan there's no redraw or or um there's no offset facility with this particular loan so like little minute little details yeah and then you know you've got a, a potential customer who thought, oh, that's a really r- low interest rate. Yeah. So I might give that a crack and see what happens. And then because they're buying a house and they don't have the 20% deposit, that because they didn't have the uh, no- the knowledge um, around the, uh, the policy of that particular lender and they go to apply, they, they may potentially get declined okay. because they don't meet the criteria of that particular product. So just because there's a low interest rate doesn't mean you get to have it. No, that's right. <laughs> you need to check the fine print. You do. Uh, understand what the fine print means. And yep. that's where you'd come in, wouldn't you, Carl? Because someone would come to you and you'd say, okay, these are your options. And they'd be like, no, but I saw mm. on the telly there was this home loan. Yeah. And then you would explain to them, okay, but because of this, this and this, you, you're, yeah. you don't, you're not eligible for this home loan. So we're not going to apply for it because yeah. we don't want you to get a decline. Yeah. It, look, and it happens all the time. You know, mm. a customer wanted to apply with um, ING. Yeah. And um, she really loves ING and they're a great bank. And so she came to me and she goes, I want to refinance my home and I only want to apply for ING. And so I said, okay, well, let's talk about your circumstances. And we did. And where that fell over is that the husband is self-employed. He only had um, one year's financials. With ING, they need two years financials to be able to verify a customer's income. Therefore, 
um, they don't meet policy. So we didn't apply with ING. We, I helped them by saying, well, no, you, you can't go with ING at the moment because you don't qualify in terms of the way your income is presented. So I suggest that we go and have a look at these other banks. Okay, so you can... You need to have a deep understanding of the the bank or lender policy before you apply to make sure you're not going to get a decline. Exactly. And and I suppose that's what a lot of mortgage brokers spend every day honing their craft yeah. um, by talking to lenders, by talking to uh, other professionals in terms of customer scenarios um, so that we have a really clear understanding on what how we can help customers be able to achieve their financial goals. Okay, so another mistake to avoid is applying for a home loan solely based on the interest rate. What else you got for us, Carl? Another mistake. Yeah, um, this is a, I'm going to say a common one. Okay. It's a small one, small, Mm -hmm. tiny one, yeah. If you're wanting to refinance your home loan and you have either missed two payments um, in the past on your um, on your home loan. So you're refinancing your oh, home yep. loan. Oh, yep. Okay, gotcha. Right. Yeah. Um, you may have missed two or more payments in the past. Yes. Uh, number one. And number two, um, you're behind on your rates. That can cause a decline on your refinancing home loan application. Okay. Is this a new thing or has it always nope. been like No, it's always okay. been like this. The first one is uh, account conduct. So yeah. let's say that a customer of a particular bank, they wanted to get more money. And so in order to do that, they either need to do a uh, what we call a top-up on their home loan or um, they want to restructure their existing loan. But because they've had some bad conduct in the past, generally banks will decline your loan. Wow, Because, okay. you know, um, you, you, you don't have a good history with maintaining your home loan. And banks are very pedantic like that, and they've got a very long memory when it comes to how you conduct your your accounts. That is one of their their criteria in assessing your your home loan. They've got possibly two to three pages of these how they can, you know, what um, how they assess the loans and what makes you a, a a good customer for them to approve the loan. Right. So the second one, the rates notice. Most lenders will want to see a copy of your rates notice as part of assessing the loan. If they see that you're behind in your rates, you know, they want to know why you're behind on your rates. And if it's um, one quarter installment that you're behind on, if you can get that paid and um, confirm that you've already paid it and give a good reason, generally they will allow that to go through. But if it's thousands of dollars that you're behind on, there's there's no way and there's possibly grounds for uh, declining your loan. Okay, so the next mistake is missing mortgage repayments or being behind on your rates and not realising that will affect your chances of being able to refinance. Yeah, in a refinance scenario, yeah. So, I mean, those things may not be, uh, will not be applicable when you're buying a home, obviously, but, you know, a lot of people are refinancing to get a better rate. A lot of people are refinancing so they can get more money, so they can do some reno projects at home, you know. So, um, if you're in that sort of uh, position, um, you want to have your home loan accounts 
A1, like really well maintained if you want to go through the same bank. Otherwise, you may need to wait a certain period of time and then move it to another lender. And that's where someone like myself can can assist you with with that particular uh, refinancing inquiry. What have we got next on the list of big mistakes? Yeah, so if you're looking to uh, upgrade your home Mm -hmm. and you don't have quite 20%, uh, 20% for to purchase the, the next home that you want to buy. So deposit. Yeah, the yes. deposit. Yep. yep. You're going to need lender's mortgage insurance. Okay. If that's the case, the deposit needs to be verified as genuinely saved. Okay. So in this instance, because you're sort of um, selling your existing home and upgrading into another one, so whatever the net surplus is from the sale of your home is regarded as genuine savings. Okay. In, in some instances where you're, you may not fortunate enough to, to be upgrading and you might be starting um, on your own for the first time. So buying your first, first home. First per, first home, yeah. Yes. So you want to be able to make sure that the deposit that you're holding is regarded as genuine savings. Okay, so let me just pedal back a little bit. So if you're buying your first home mm. and you don't have 20% deposit, mm. you're going to need a thing called lender's mortgage insurance. Yeah. And you're also going to need to prove genuine savings. Yes. Okay. Yes. So genuine savings, the way that the banks like to see that is uh, a savings account. Yes. That has your 5% deposit to the value of of the home that you want to buy. Yes. Um, That must be verified as genuine savings. Um, If you can do that, big tick to you. I get customers that come to me who has just received an inheritance, mm-hmm. for an example. And they want to do something positive with that money straight away because they don't want to spend it. They come and see me all excited, and they should be. And um, and basically, I have to tell them, look, um, you're going to need to keep that money in your savings account for three months to be able to verify that it's genuine savings. Or, you know, that mum and dad's gifted them some money, you know, again, same story. You're going to have to keep that money um, in a in a account for at least five, five uh, three months, sorry, so that we can use that as genuine savings. It's not the bank that requires that. It's the actual lender's mortgage insurer. That's their policy, you know, when it comes to home loans. As part of their policy in providing you a home loan, you've got to also meet not just the bank's policy in lending, but also the lender's mortgage insurance policy with relation to the lending. Okay, that's that's interesting. I don't think many people would realise that. So the next mistake is not having your genuine savings structured correctly. So it hasn't been held in a bank account for the long a long enough period of savings time. account. Savings yeah. account. Yeah. And would you usually would you put that in your everyday account, or would you open up a separate account for that to sit in? I like to have that in a separate account that sits in so it's not being diluted with your everyday transactions Okay. because there could be a chance that it could be misstrewed as not genuine savings because of the amount of transaction that's going in and out, in and out, in and out of your everyday account. But if you've got a savings account, you know, generally in savings, the whole idea is money in, not money. money, Yeah. And money not going out. Okay. So... Open up a separate bank account, put the money in there and let it sit there for three months. Three months. Untouched. Untouched. Okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, The next one. 
Next mistake. Yeah, um, a lot of people get excited when they get a good job, and um, you know they've earned the big bucks, and you know they again, you know, they want to do something positive with it, and um, uh, because they've just started a new new role, many lenders, particularly when the loan has lenders mortgage insurance, um, the the employment length can't be in probationary period. So many employers offer contract nowadays. Yes. And then in the contract, um, they stipulate whether, you know, you're on probationary period. And if you are, uh, how long for? Generally, it's about six months. Many lenders are quite strict on this, particularly if you're new to that industry, um, where if you're on a probationary period and you're in lender's mortgage insurance, um, we call that LMI territory, right? Um, they will softly decline that loan due to that it doesn't meet their policy around length of employment still being on probationary period when the loan requires lender's mortgage insurance, when the um, uh, applicant is new to that industry and still on probationary period. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So the next mistake is applying for a loan when you're still on the probationary period with your employer. And this is particularly when the loan attracts lender's mortgage insurance. That's correct. But you did mention that if, if it's in a different industry to your previous job. So is there a way around this if your new job is in the same industry as your previous job? Yeah, if, if you're kind of just uh, doing exactly the same role as your previous uh, employment, but you've just changed company, yes. that's perfectly all right. But, okay. you know, if you're going to bricklaying and then um, going into... Hairdressing. Be- yeah, then that's not okay. Okay. Yeah. So, if you're working at, I don't know, if you're an, a bookkeeper yes. with one firm and then you moved to be a bookkeeper with another a firm, firm, that would... That perfectly be fine. fine. Or yep. a teacher changing schools. That's or, perfectly fine. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, customer service uh, person working customer service, and you change to another customer service role. That's fine. Okay. It, where where it where it becomes a bit of a sticking point is that, like I mentioned, you know, um, a person who used to be a flight attendant. Yes. Um, but now is working for a bank. Okay. Bank teller. No, that's not that's not continuous, you know. That's yep. yeah, that's a completely different industry. I'm really impressed with how many jobs we were able to just to come up with very quickly off the top of our heads. Yeah. Yeah, good on us. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Well done. Well done. Yes. <laughs> All right. How many have we got so far? One, two, three, four, five, six. Let's do let's talk about one more to make it a nice odd number. Seven. Seven big mistakes, which I think is what we agreed on before the show anyway. What's your last one? Give us your best. No uh, pressure. No pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably around um, maximum borrowing potential. Okay. And how you can and, and how customers can benefit from a higher borrowing capacity versus to a, a lower capacity. And it's got a lot to do with your credit card. Some people that I come across get offered really high credit card limits. Yes. Like, you know, 20 grand, 25 grand, 30 grand, 35 grand. And it's just a lot of credit. And especially if you don't use it, you know, that that can really go against you. That's a lot of stuff to buy from Bunnings. Well, yeah, that's, that's a lot of credit card money. Um, and if you're not very good with managing credit cards, it could get you in a lot of trouble. So, you know, and how banks treat 
credit card limits um, is that let's say that a person has got a $35,000 credit card limit, the bank's going to factor in 3.8% off that limit, which means that they will allocate $1,330 as a liability against that credit card. Even if you even, even have if, only ever spent like $200 on that yeah, credit card. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they'll yeah, still, they, they, because it's got the limit, they'll still factor. Yeah, it's, it's an available credit. 3.8%. Yeah. So, I mean, that that 1330 is going to take a massive hit on your maximum borrowing potential. You know, it's a, it's a, honestly, it could be a difference of 300 to, oh, Three hundred and fifty thousand in your off your borrowing capacity. No way. Oh, it's massive. That's huge, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just, huge. I'm just giving you a bit of an example. I, I, you know, um, I would need to calculate that accurately, but yeah. I'm just giving just you a bit a of a scale. Yeah. General, yeah, scale. Yeah. So, how can we avoid that issue? Well, if you don't use, you know, if you don't need the thirty-five thousand dollar credit limit, reduce it to three thousand dollars. Okay. Because that would only attract um, a a, a He's minimum, got his calculator out now. <laughs> a minimum commitment of, um, you know, one hundred and and you know, fourteen dollars versus okay. one thousand three hundred and thirty dollars. I mean, that is a massive difference. It's a big difference. Yeah, really, really big difference. And a, a lot of customers don't know that. No, well, how? You know, why would someone know that? Yeah, like I suppose not. You but, know, like we don't. Most people don't spend their weekends reading bank policy i know yeah. you do yeah. but most people don't yeah, no they don't i suppose they don't yeah. but you know like when i am in front of a client and you know i'm doing their fact fine and immediately you know when i ask the question you know do you have a credit card and what's the credit limit and if they say something you know really a high figure as their credit limit i, I immediately say we may need to reduce this straight up you know just just so that it can help your borrowing capacity. Um, and they usually don't have a problem with that because, yeah. you know, they, they need the finance and they're, they're happy to reduce it. You know, and I, I get it because a lot of people tend to use their credit card for everyday spendings and they might be, you know, trying to improve their points, you know, they, they collect the points and they, they put everything through their, um, yeah. their credit okay. card. And, and I get and I get that, but you can always have that after the loan, you know. So um, if you're in that position um, and if you want to improve your borrowing capacity, reduce your credit card down, uh, and and not have so many personal loans going into the into the um, home loan uh, application, you know, because whatever your commitments are on that personal loan, it's gonna affect your borrowing capacity. And if you particularly if the borrowing capacity is tight, you know, let's say that you need. Um, in order for a customer to successfully buy this property, they need seven fifty thousand, right, from the bank as a loan. But because they've got these credit cards and they've got these personal loans in their personal balance sheet, and um, they could only borrow six eighty, uh, some of the ways that we can work around that is, you know, getting rid of the credit card or lowering the credit card limit um, if they're in a position to to pay out the the personal loans and, you know, um, improve uh, their borrowing capacity. And look, um, quick story, um, a customer who I helped three years ago, um, they were upgrading homes and, um, you know, uh, before he was thinking of upgrading, he bought himself a beautiful, beautiful car. It was costing him 900 bucks a month to run, right, this car. And so when when I was doing my fact fine and when I was doing my um, my 
calculations of their borrowing capacity, if I remove the car repayments that they were making, they could get the loan. And if we keep it, they miss out on the loan. So what he did is he sold his car and paid out that debt and removed that as a liability on his personal balance sheet in order for us to move forward with his loan so that he could get the house that he wanted. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, there, you, there's some things that you you need to look at your liabilities and, and if it's going to prevent you from buying the home that you want, that you can afford the repayments for, you just yeah. can't borrow the money for, yeah. then you may need to make some tweaks and you some, do. some changes. Yeah, you do. All right, so our seven mistakes that people make when they apply for home loans, and there's many more, but we've covered seven tonight. These are common and big, and most of them are easily fixed. Number one. Buying at auction without getting your finance sorted first. That's big no-no, yeah. Big, big no-no and easily avoided. Absolutely. Just three weeks beforehand, meet with your broker, get it sorted. Not knowing what's in your credit file, again, easily fixed. We'll put the, After the show, we'll put those links on our Facebook page, The Dream Home Movement, so you will know exactly where to get your credit file, access your credit file from, and we'll also have it in the show notes for the podcast. Applying for a loan solely based on rate, there are other factors that you need to consider, and you may not be eligible for that loan. Refinance, going to refinance, but you've missed mortgage repayments, um, or you're behind on your rate. So, um, not being tight and on point with your mortgage repayments and um, and paying your rates. Yeah, ra- your rates, rates notice. Your rates yeah. notice. Yeah. Um, not structuring your genuine savings correctly, so not having it sitting there in the bank for three months at least and applying for a home loan that has LMI attached to it when you're still in the probationary period of a new job which is in a different industry to the one that you're in previously. And finally, number seven, having really high credit card limits. Yeah, um, can affect your borrowing capacity. Yeah. So all of those things are, are relatively easy to, to, to fix with yeah. the right support and guidance. And it can, it can mean the difference between a decline or an approval in many cases. Yeah. Or, or it can mean the difference between the amount that you get approved for. That's right, yeah. So, you know, you should always um, seek out a professional rather than trying to do the loan yourself. Yeah. Because it's really... You're, when you're seeing a, a professional, you are definitely, you know, getting the right advice from from the very beginning rather yeah. than, you know, learning from your mistakes, which which can take you longer to get to what you need. Well, hey, I know a professional. <laughs> yeah, do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Where can people find you? Yeah, they can find me on, in Facebook um, or we're also on the um, internet, um, Violetta <laughs> Finance. Internet, yeah, are we? Violetta. Yeah, I'm old school. You are. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the internet. We're on the internet. We've got a, a website. We've got a website, yes. <laughs> it works. Okay. Um, so, Violetta Finance, that's one T. Um, you might as well com. spell it. Then. Yeah, V for Victor, I-O-L-E-T-A. Uh, finance. Com, dot, yeah, finance.com.au. Sorry, yeah. I cut you off there. Yeah. Apologies. Uh, that's all right. And Violetta Finance on Facebook as well. Or they can contact me, 0424 Eight four nine zero three four. Because that's the way I do business. <laughs> 
Thank you, Carl, for joining me tonight. That was a lot of fun and really valuable. Lots of really fantastic information there. So I, I do appreciate it. And I would like to thank you for tuning in and spending Thursday evenings with me and with Tara every week. And I'd like to give a shout out to some of our podcast listeners. The biggest podcast listening city... <laughs> for this week of the show is Ann Arbor in the United States of America. Oh, that's Kevin's um, hometown. Uh, okay, that's yeah. um, that's Carl's best mate's hometown, so yeah. maybe it's him and his friends yeah, are listening. absolutely. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and also St Kilda and Mount Eliza. So thank you to all of our top listening suburbs. We love hanging out with you and being in your ear holes every week. Looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Hope your dream home projects are going well and make sure you reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram, Dream Home Movement. Until next time, bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Dream Home Movement. Wishing you all the best in your projects this week. We would love to chat and hear what you're up to, so please say hi on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to hanging out with you next week. Catch you soon.